Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, welcome to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM and also at www.triplehfm.com.au and then afterwards at podcasts.com and wherever else you pick up your podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iTunes and all the bad places as well. Well, we are just on the verge of hopefully the emergence of community sport from behind the coronavirus curtain. In this episode of Splinters, on the eve of, fingers crossed, a kickoff. We go down and look at what's happening with Community Rugby League. It's been well documented, the uh, carnage that coronavirus has inflicted on the game, off the field, particularly at community sport level. But to their credit, the New South Wales Rugby League have come up with competitions to fill the void in the back half of this season, coronavirus permitting. The President's Cup and the Sydney Shield will kick off on the weekend of July 18 and 19 as well as the Harvey Norman New South Wales Women's Premiership. To have a look at the two main competitions as well as a little preview of the uh, women's competition, it was only fair that we at Triple H asked back someone who would have been very much heavily involved if it wasn't for the coronavirus curtain coming down on his now former job at the Asquith Magpies. Pat Wisner is well regarded as probably one of the most astute and highly read football nerds out there in the second tier sporting community. And I use that term as a compliment because there's not a lot about nearly all of the players that are going to be taking the field in these competitions that he doesn't know about. It is a pleasure to have him on this episode of Splinters. Welcome aboard again, Pat. Thanks. Good chat about... um the new competition, um, something different, so looking forward to it. You mentioned it's something different. Take us through uh, how you've seen these competitions put together at very short notice and the in- surprise inclusion of the Wollongong-based teams, three of them. We see the Thoreau Butchers and Western Suburbs of Wollongong enter the President's Cup and we see the Helensburg Tigers taking their place in the Sydney Shield for the opening round on the weekend of July 18 and 19. And uh, that was something that not a lot of people saw coming. Yeah, I definitely didn't see those ones coming. I, I, I heard a rumour that some of the Wollongong teams might have been interested, but that was back in June. And when they didn't put their names forward originally, I just assumed that that was dead in the water and we might struggle to get enough teams. But we snuck in with seven originally in the President's Cup and then two came in this week, which was a big surprise. But I guess it only adds to um, the competition, something different, and should be interesting to see how they go, actually. It's quite a big step up, I think, from those comps, but we'll see how they go. It'll be interesting. A lot of travel as well. You've mentioned the travel factor. It's going to work both ways. Remembering, of course, that in the President's Cup we have a Hunter Valley-based team with the Maitland Pumpkin Pickers and we have these two Western-based sides, one at Forbes, the Western New South Wales Rams and the Dubbo Sims from the Group 11 competition. It's going to be hard work for the Sydney-based sides to travel bush on a Friday night or a Saturday under the coronavirus curtain conditions, play on a Sunday and then get back to work for a lot of these people, first thing on a Monday morning and vice versa for these country-based teams making their way into the big smoke. 
yeah, it's a big ask. You know, the staff involved as well, um, the logistics of it all, equipment. Um, you know, it's not as simple as just turning up and playing. You've got a lot of stuff to get to and from games. And obviously with the COVID, the safety that um, measures that are in place now, um, there's going to be a lot of work involved. But look, full credit to the clubs who stuck their hand up. Obviously, they've got enough people and players interested in uh, and want to get involved and just want to play some footy. And I'm glad they have. We get to watch something and, and talk about some football. But um, yeah, look, it's it's going to be a big ask. And there'll be some late nights there on some Sundays, but possibly some um, good bus trips home too, if you get the two points. Absolutely. And some very poor bus trips home if you get beaten at those long bus journeys become that little bit extra longer. What about these uh, Wollongong teams, the Illawarra teams? Uh, I'm hearing that they were hanging out for perhaps the Illawarra competition to get up at the last moment and then tried to sneak into the Group 7 to join the likes of Gorilla all the way down the coast. But in the end, powers that be, I wouldn't say forced, but certainly were encouraged, in inverted commas, these sides to join these competitions, the President's Cup at the Sydney Shield, at the 11th hour. Yeah, I saw a draw last week and, and I think a lot of people did and, and obviously they weren't involved in it. So um, it must have been a really late decision for those guys to, to come in. But um, yeah, look, at it, it adds something different. As I said, I think, uh, I can't remember Wollongong teams playing teams from Newcastle and there's always sort of that little bit of uh, a question mark over which teams are stronger and, and what competitions are stronger. So it'll be interesting to see when they play each other, how it all works out. I think Maitland have got a really strong side though. So um, those Wollongong teams, I hope they're prepared well because it'll be some, some tough afternoons if they're not ready for it. We understand that there will be a full round of nine rounds from the draws that s- some clubs have received uh, in the last 48 hours and a two or three week final series if they are to maintain the September 27 deadline for a grand final. Uh, a two-week final series would be a top four finals of one versus four, two versus three. It certainly adds to what we were talking about earlier, that this these competitions will very much have an asterisk next to them at the end of the season, whoever wins these respective grand finals. Yeah, they definitely will. I think the whole year has an asterisk against it, doesn't it? On, on and off the field, it's uh, been a funny year and this will be a, a funny little competition um, but in saying that, I mean, if it is a top four, uh, it's going to reward the teams who certainly deserve to make it. I think, you know, the top eight in Ron Massey Cup in other years has probably rewarded teams who maybe didn't deserve to make it. But, um, you know, if you can come in the top four out of nine teams, you deserve your chance. So, uh, But you don't want to start slowly, that's for sure. If you do, you're in big trouble in, in a nine-round comp. And that nine-round competition, as we look at the President's Cup, will start on Saturday, the 18th of July at North Sydney Oval number 2. Not North Sydney Oval number one. There's been some machinations going on there. Basically, the main North Sydney Oval is off limits for winter sports for the rest of this winter season in preparation for cricket. Such was the horse trading that went on behind the scenes. My understanding was cricket were allowed North Sydney Oval to prepare. Rugby Union was allowed Gordon, uh, Ch- Gordon's home ground at Chatswood Oval and Manly Oval right up to the end of October for football to allow cricket to take their place on those two grounds later into October and November. And as the number two tenant North Sydney Oval, the North Sydney Bears have been shunted out to Bon Andrews Field, North Sydney Oval number two, and they will take on one of the country New South Wales sides, Dubbo Sims, in the President's Cup opener on Saturday the 18th of July at 2pm. Bon Andrews number two isn't quite the same as North Sydney Oval number one, and that will be the first culture shock for this proud Dubbo Sims outfit who have been up to the mark against Ron Massey Cup competition in the past, having won a Challenge Cup final and lost one against Guildford in recent years. 
Yeah, I think that's really disappointing, isn't it? That, that um, North Sydney, the main oval, is not going to be used. I think that would have been great for the Dubbo boys to have a run out on there and it would have been great for us as fans to get to watch some games at North Sydney Oval. It's, it's one of the best grounds to watch footy from and it's always picturesque when you walk in, but we're out at Pont Andrews, so we'll have to make do with that. But, um, yeah, look, it'll be an interesting game. My personal opinion is, and I don't want to provide Dubbo with any more motivation obviously I've got some some Asquith boys who are going across to the Bears so I'll be barracking for them but I just think Dubbo might struggle a bit that's just my honest opinion I, I think they've um in the Challenge Cup earlier in the year a lot of Ron Massey Cup teams don't have their full sides there a lot of the the better Ron Massey Cup players are, in, are playing New South Wales Cup trials and Canterbury Cup trials um so they're often sending weaker teams out in those fixtures and I just hope that Dubbo haven't looked at that thinking that that's the standard they'll need to be at because the, the Ron Massey Cup pro- competition proper is a lot tougher than the Challenge Cup. So they're going to need to step up. Um, hopefully they do. Otherwise, I think they'll be in for a tough afternoon. A number of those Asquith players that you were going to coach and that you have coached have made their way across to the Bears uh, to join players like Brad Dietz, like Josh Daly, like Tom Freeburn. Uh, James Tuatahai has been named in the centres for this opening round match against uh, the Dubbo Sims. You must have some mixed feelings having a look at this red and black side take the field, or at least you will have on uh, Saturday the 18th of July at Bon Andrews. Yeah, look, it's uh, not going to lie. It's been hard seeing um, a lot of the guys dispersed to different clubs, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that as we do the previews of the other teams. But, um, look, it is good to see a few of the boys have stuck together, and um, there's some guys not named in the team at Parama Navali and a few other guys there who are Michael Pearsall who um, are in the North squad, and if they don't play this week, I'm sure they'll get their chance in the coming weeks. But, I mean, North's got a strong squad. I, I looked at their team, and Jason Taylor's done a great job given that they're not going to get paid, these guys. They're going to be doing it for free. Um, you know, so to get the calibre of player he has tells you what a good coach he is. And, um, yeah, look, if they can keep that best 17 on the field, they'll be very hard to beat in this comp. Well, you mentioned the uh, the fact they're not getting paid, unlike a lot of other players in this competition, such as the uh, the dire financial straits that coronavirus has put the Bears in. All their staff are on JobKeeper, apparently, at the moment, and they're uh, sweating bullets seeing what's going to happen post-September 27, grand final day, which happens to be when, apparently, JobKeeper comes to an end, uh, and the players have been told that they're playing for contracts in 2021. It puts more pressure on the players to start well because if they don't start well and they start losing games, the interest may drop off quickly if they're not getting paid. Yeah, as we said, I mean, some of those trips um, to Dubbo and Forbes and uh, maybe down to Wollongong are a lot tougher if you're losing or you're not playing well. But on the flip side, if you're winning, things are a lot more rosy. Um, Yeah, they'll need to start well. I think if they start well and they remember the chance in this competition, that'll keep them in good stead for the rest of it. But, yeah, if they do start slowly, um, not getting paid, training three times a week, it might be difficult. But uh, they're a good crew. I mean, I think to me it's testament to the improvements Norse have made in the last couple of years and the relationship we had at Asquith with the Bears is that they can still get these players there for nothing, which probably would have been unheard of two years ago. They would have had no chance. So, um, yeah, they've got a good squad. They've got some Roosters boys um, from under-20s who've come across and a couple of the Bears kids have stepped in. So they've got a well-balanced team. Um, whether they can beat Wenny and some of the hardened uh, Ron Massey Cup teams, I don't know. But uh, on paper, geez, they've got a good side, the Bears. Well... Are they top four material? Can they make the finals then? And whatever finals format is thrown at us. Oh, I, th- I think they'll be in the top four for sure. I think anything less than that would be a massive failure. They've got a lot of quality there. As you said, guys like Tom Freeburn, Brad Dietz did NRL pre-seasons this year. Um, you know, and they're coming up against Dubbo. No disrespect to Dubbo, but you'd have to think there's they're some a class gaps club, there. But they're a strong club, the Sims. They've dominated Group 11 for the last number of years and they've made these Challenge Cup finals. 
um, and they'll have a point to prove as well. They can't be written off, but clearly uh, this is the great unknown of these competitions. We have no trial form to go on. We have no uh, reputations to go on at all. It's got to be a lot of feeling of each other out in these first few weeks. Speaking of unknown quantities, the two Illawarra sides have been paired together on the opening weekend of the season down at Gibson Park at Thoreau. The Butchers, one of the long-standing clubs in the Illawarra competition, take on another long-standing uh, Wollongong-based uh, team, Western Suburbs, at Gibson Park at Thoreau on Saturday the 18th of July for their opener. The probably good thing about the draw is that they've got two uh, local sides playing against each other uh, in round one. So it isn't going to be all that much different for those two sides having played each other regularly in the Illawarra competition in recent years. Yeah, I think that's a fair fair start for both of those sides, given that they probably only received late notice that they were accepted in. And you have to question whether their preparation's been as strong as maybe some of the other clubs who knew they were in six weeks ago. So it's good they're playing each other. It keeps it pretty even. And like you said, they'll they'll know a lot about each other. Um, you know, Wests are always strong down in that Wollongong comp. I think they've been the grand final the last two seasons. So yep. they'll be there or thereabouts. And they'll be expecting to do well in this competition as well. Yeah, they will. I mean, they'll have some good players down there. Um, you know, and, and so will Thoreau. I know Thoreau have got Jack Payne back from France, who was at Mounties. Um, he'll be a handy player. So, look, they'll have some players there. M- my biggest worry for those type of clubs is that it's not their best players um, that are going to win and lose in the game. It's going to be the numbers 14, 15, 16, 17. These good Ron Massey Cup teams and your Maitland teams have got really strong benches and depth all the way through. Uh, whether these teams do, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll soon find out, in, won't we? In saying that, the Thoreau side that was named for round one includes Lee Higgins, includes not only Jack Payne, but Daniel Payne at 5'8", so there'll be combination there. Uh, Jack Noble at uh, in the second row, who's had a bucket load of experience. Western Suburbs, pretty much the side that went very close under Mitch Porter in the Illawarra Grand Finals in the last couple of years. And any side that has Kyle Lodge on interchange is certainly going to be strong. So they may have some depth there. They'll be certainly looking to get a win against the other Illawarra team in round one. Now, the third of the opening round games is on Sunday afternoon at Spooner Oval in Forbes. So this is going to be the travel factor and the first team to get in the bus and take the long haul out to the west. My understanding is they're going to be leaving Sydney on Saturday and setting up camp in a hotel in Forbes on Saturday night will be the Hills District Bulls. We've had a good relationship with them here at Triple H in recent years and the side that they've named is very strong for this first match against the Western Rams on Sunday afternoon. At this stage... The official kickoff time is one o'clock, but you're telling me, uh, Pat, that the the Rams are still holding out for a traditional three p.m. kickoff on Sunday. Yeah, I, I think they do. I think they're looking for a three p.m. kickoff. Obviously, suits their club and maybe the crowd better, but uh, it, it makes it getting back to Sydney at a decent time pretty difficult. So, it might be a bit of a standoff on that one. And but um, yeah, at this stage it says one o'clock, but who knows um, what will happen there? What about this Hills District Bulls side? It's quite strong. Josh Lewis, Lazarus Brown, Tim Robinson, Heath Lestrange coming out of retirement for the upteenth time, Dave Bowman, Daniel Harrison, the blood nut in the back row, and then Shannon Gardner and Shane Keel, who's one of the Asquith players that you were hoping to coach that's made the trip uh, across yonder uh, to Crestwood Reserve to the Sapphire Lounge with his dancing shoes on uh, to play for the Bulls in this short season. Yeah, I think Hills have probably been the team who've made the most moves uh, during COVID, I know um, when Asquith announced that we weren't in the comp, 
Uh, Paul Griffin was on the phone to a lot of our players, and I don't blame him. Um, there's some good, a lot of talent there. Uh, for me, it's a lot about Hills who didn't get named as well. I've been told that Jerry Key will be playing this week. Um, he just hasn't been cleared yet. Uh, also, Maley and Lever Lai um, are going across there with Taniela Lasalo from Guildford. So that's a lot of strike power that they've needed in the back line to go with their experienced forwards, Bowman, Robinson, Harrison, Heath Lestrange. So they've got a really good side this year, Hills. Uh, they've done a really good job recruiting lately. Uh, they had a good team to start with. They've improved, good coach. Uh, they're ticking a lot of boxes, and, yeah, I think they'll be really hard to beat, Hills. Well, this is going to be the thing we'll mention towards the end of this first half of the program when we try and get the crystal ball out and predict who's going to make the top four. Uh, the strength of this competition for the short season, given the players that are available, is going to be nothing short of remarkable. But the travel factor is going to be the key here. And crowds, remember, no crowds in Sydney, but when they go bush, where there perhaps aren't going to be as many... By necessity, coronavirus, COVID-19 restrictions, crowds will be there in good numbers, having been starved of football, and they'll have nothing more than to see a Sydney side sent back to the big smoke with their tails tails between their legs. Yeah, for sure they will. I think Hills are probably better equipped than most to handle that, just with their their experience. I think they've got five ex-NRL players there with Lasalo and Lewis and Heath Lestrange, um, Robinson... Harrison, so and Jerry Key obviously is very experienced, so I think they'll be okay. But yeah, it might be a surprise to some of the North's kids when they go there, and um, yeah, those crowds it's different. You know, they they get a bit of a sniff in those hometown games, and uh, a bit of a crowd going. Country the referee. football is a lot different. Yeah, referees, referees are going to be uh, yeah. predominantly. We don't know whether there'll be local country referees or yep. whether a, a group of referees from the city will be sent out to these. Uh, uh, outposts to referee these games. Yep. It'll be a, a, a real X factor and unknown quantities, which we're all going to feel our way through in the first couple of weeks of this season. Yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting, won't it? Staying at hotels that they've never stayed at. And, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be problems there early on with, with, with um, you know, just the transport and different things that pop up that you don't hear about. So it'll be, it'll be hard. Like I said earlier, it'll be hard for the staff as well. It's, it, those trips are not great for staff. You know, you've got so many things to do to try and give the players a chance to win. Um, so they're really going to have to be on their toes and really plan it well. But like I said, I think if anybody can do it, it's Hills. They've got a really good team. I'm really impressed with their recruitment. Michael Withers done a fantastic job since he's gone there last year. And I think, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be very, very close this year. The Another team that will be hard to beat, though, is uh, and will be the perennial favourites, the perennial powerhouses, the club that made a very late decision as recently as three weeks before uh, kickoff, they had a last-minute meeting that went with Phil Magpies to decide whether they were even going to take part in these competitions. St Mary's had another meeting across the way the same night. St Mary's decided, no, too hard, we're out. Wentworthville stuck their hand up and said, you know what, we're playing. And so they've been rewarded with a home game at Ringrose Park this Sunday, uh, the 19th of July, the opening Sunday of the season, the President's Cup competition against the Maitland Pumpkin Pickers. So this is going to be the reverse uh, psychology for the Pickers, a proud uh, Newcastle club who will probably be uh, welcoming the facilities that they'll be going into at Ringrose Park and saying that the Maitland Sports Ground, the redeveloped Maitland Sports Ground are one of the best, or is one of the best uh, complexes in country football in New South Wales, without question. Uh, It's whether they can bring their A game to match what you know Wentworthville will bring to the table. They are the uh, triple defending champions of whatever you want to call it. Um, Three Ron Massey Cups uh, in a row behind them and most of the players that have won or had a hand in one or two or even three of those Ron Massey Cups 
will all be going around again. If you have a look at the uh, team that has been named and perhaps the players that haven't for this uh, first round fixture mm. against the Pumpkin Pickers. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, that's the, the match of the round. I know it's hard to say that when you haven't seen the teams play, but I, I'm really looking forward to that one. I think that'll tell us a lot about how this competition might pan out. We know what we're going to get from Wentworthville. Bo Henry will be everywhere and he'll be the key. Um, they've got Eli Roberts back from us, who's a, a huge signing. I think. Omar Slamenkel at fullback? Yeah, Omar Slamenkel. So they're going to have a lot of points in him. I think Eli Roberts going back there, playing inside Ed Anabuli, will be, will be crucial for them. I think Ed Anabuli will, will score a lot of tries outside Eli. Um, Ethan Parry dropped out of the Parramatta full time squad. Um, he basically won them the game single handedly in round one against Cabramatta earlier in the year. So another big signing, and they've got their workmen like forwards who, who know what to do. So. Winnie or Winnie, they're going to be well prepared. And Nicku Apilu, any yep. sub, any club that can have him on the bench, on yeah. the bench, or even out of the seventeen, has to be respected. Yeah, I mean they'll be well prepared. Cookie, Cookie's, a, you know, he's a, he's the master at getting those guys up when he needs to, and um, you know, but Maitland. Uh, you know, they've spent a lot of money, Maitland. They, they got Matt Lantry across from West Newcastle who brought half of that Newcastle rep team who were very good last year with him. Uh, I've been told that they usually uh, send the Newcastle Knights Cup players to all different clubs up there. Obviously, with no Newcastle comp this year, they'll all be at Maitland. So if you combine those sorts of guys with your uh, Pat Matty Utah, Alex uh, Langridge, the hooker's outstanding player, yeah. Chad O'Donnell, a lot of speed. So And Chad but, O'Donnell with plenty of Ron Massey Cup and yeah. Sydney experience behind him has thrived uh, yep. at the Pumpkin. Oh, he thrived at West under Matt Lantry. And you'll thrive under him at uh, at Maitland. Yeah, it's, it's no doubt about it. Matt Lantry, I mean, the, the money that I've heard he's on, give me a call, Frank Lawler from Maitland, <laughs> I'll tell you what. But um, So, he, you know, and he's got everything he needs to build a good side. He's recruited really well. Um, they were red-hot favourites to win the Newcastle comp this year. And as I said, that was without all the access to the every night's New South Wales Cup player. So if they get those guys mixed in with what they recruited, you know, they could be unbelievable. So... Round one versus Winnie, what a great start. Is that possibly a dress rehearsal for maybe a clash on September 27? Yeah, look, it wouldn't surprise me if they were there. As I said, we'll know more after round one, won't we? But, um, you know, I think Hills, Norse and possibly Burwood could have something to say about it. But that Maitland team is, is a stacked team. The money they've spent would be more than anybody else in this comp. Um, we're talking six-figure amount here? Yeah, for sure, yeah. And I mean, the coaches on massive money as well. So they'll be well-prepared. Um, you know, and, and they'll, they'll want to win. They'll want to do well for Newcastle. It's a proud comp, and, and like I said, the rep team were very good last year. Um, yeah, they're going to be hard to beat. It's a, it's, it was a great start versus Winnie. I'm glad that's round one. I think it'll be a cracking game. Now, you mentioned uh, Glebe Burwood Wolves. They are the ninth team. They have the bye in the opening weekend. Yep. Any club that has Nike Aaron Zammett around the place and the players that they will have and that style of football that uh, he brings to the table... It's going to be mind-blowing how that style of football and how Nike Aaron Zammett's going to go at a place like Spooner Oval at Forbes or the Maitland Sports Ground or in Dubbo and how they'll handle him up there and vice versa, how he's going to handle some of these country uh, venues. That will be intriguing for a lot of reasons. But on the field, you can expect the unexpected from Glebe Burwood, can't you? Yeah, that's Burwood. Their best is, is very good. Um, but their worst is, is obviously not so great. There's a huge gap between their best and the worst, and the problem is that can happen for them in, in, during games. Ten minutes, they're great, and ten minutes, they're poor, and the games um, fluctuate, and you, you're always hopeful when you play Burwood that they're going to have an off day and you have an easy one because you know that on their day they can score tries from anywhere. Um, I did speak to Aaron earlier, and he said that 
Um, he hasn't recruited a single player from another on Massey Cup Club. He just didn't think it was the right thing to do. So he's gone with his guys. But he did say he expects large numbers of Newtown players back and large numbers of Cronulla Jersey flag players back. So that'll keep his squad strong. And so. that's what he's been banking on, clearly, to not only filter into that to, into that side, but also down the line and into the Sydney University team, which we'll come to into in the second half of the program. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's the key for Burwood. It, it was two years ago when they made that run and, and possibly should have should have won a competition or at least made the grand final and they had a lot of Newtown players that were fantastic. Last year they didn't quite get the same amount back and they struggled. So if he's got those players that, that he thinks he's got this year, um, like I said, they could be the dark horses, especially given they've got a buy in round one. They've kind of forgotten a bit. Um, but they're not a team anybody's going to enjoy playing. doesn't matter if it's in Forbes or in Sydney. Nobody enjoys playing Burwood. I can't wait to see how, if something goes wrong, how Nike Aaron Zammett is going to go off in a place <laughs> like Forbes against some of the spectators up there. It could be very interesting given Nike Aaron Zammett's track record with referees and abuse of match officials in the past. He'd want to be careful out, out there, let me tell you. Yeah, he will. Uh, let's hope COVID's calmed him down a bit and he's um, <laughs> had time to rethink, but I won't hold my breath. Oh, jeez. Good evening to you, uh, Nike Aaron Zammett, if you are listening. If you catch up with this podcast, be careful with uh, dealing with uh, some of the good old boys of Forbes. Now, look, let's then look at uh, the crystal ball of who might be the top four. If it clearly looks like being a top four final series, we've been told it will be nine rounds where every team will play everybody else once with a bye and we have two weeks of finals September 1920 and the grand final September 27. The cutthroat nature of the competition means that if you don't start well, you're virtually out of commission after three weeks. Um, you've mentioned Wentworthville and Maitland and Norths. Are they three of your top four? And then who's the fourth if that's the case? Yeah, that, I think they'll all be in there. And, you know, I think Hills will um, obviously be in the top four as well. Just They've just recruited really well and, and Mick Withers is a great coach. So I think they'll be in there and that, that leaves Burwood missing out, which, um, you know, again, if Aaron's listening, he won't be too happy about, but uh, they could easily sneak in at the expense of And Dubbo won't be happy that they've been written off and then the two yeah. Illawarra teams, particularly with the likes of Jack Payne and then you've got Kyle Lodge at Wests on a bench, um, they won't be too pleased either, but you've got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, you do, and I can only go of what I've seen, which is those you know, city teams, and, and I know they've recruited well. Uh, you know, I think Dubbo and Western Rams will be the bottom two. I, I do, and that's just you know. Hopefully, they can prove me wrong and might provide them with some motivation if they're listening. I think I think they I, have. I think you just have. Yeah, so I, I just think they'll be they'll be struggling for depth. And like I said, it's not always about the best four or five players you've signed. I know they've signed Chris Grimsville, and um, they're going to have some quality players. But it's it's usually about your numbers fourteen to seventeen that struggle at Ron Massey Cup level, and that's where I think they'll get found out. It's an intriguing competition. We look forward to covering that here on Triple H for the nine or 11 weeks that we have in front of us, starting on the weekend of July 18 and 19. Uh, watch our social media handles. That is Triple H Sport, our Twitter handle, and the Bench Facebook page, and we'll let you know where and when and which games and which rounds we'll be covering. We will say right now that we will be calling at least the Sydney Shield and Ron and... Uh, I almost said Ron Massey Cup there, didn't I? It's force of habit. Sydney Shield and President's Cup Grand Finals on Sunday, September 27. Coronavirus permitting. All right. We've reached half time. We've Time has flown when you have fun here on this edition of Splinters. We're going to take the break now and then we'll come back and look at the Sydney Shield, which at one point was not going to be played, but now all of a sudden finds it not only has 
uh, a number of the teams backing up at nine sides. And again, a, a country flavour. We'll discuss that when this episode of Splitters continues. Many restrictions are changing. As we get back out there, remember to do the three. Wash your hands regularly. Keep physical distance from others. And have the COVID Safe app on your phone. If you're unwell, stay at home and speak to a doctor about getting tested. Together, we can reduce the risk of a second wave. Stay COVID free and do the three. Visit health.gov.au for more information. Authorised by the Chief Medical Officer, Canberra. Welcome back to Splinters on a Tuesday night on Triple H 100.1 FM. And also on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and then afterwards at podcasts.com and wherever else you pick up your podcasts. Tune in, Spotify, iTunes, Mearscast. What is Mearscast? I'm going to find out off that man one day what that is. Anyway, back to business. It's New South Wales Rugby League Preview Mark 2 as we look towards the resumption of community sport from behind the coronavirus curtain on the weekend of July 18 and 19. Pat Wisner, the now, sad to say, former coach of the Asquith Magpies, is with me to cast his eye over what comes up over the next nine or 11 weeks in the Sydney Shield. We've already uh, stuck our neck out and probably got half of country New South Wales offside with the President's Cup. Again, there is an interesting element to the Sydney Shield as we uh, welcome you back, Pat. And uh, that element comes from the Helensburg Tigers, who have been the ninth team injected into this Sydney Shield competition alongside Cronulla Carring Bar, who have come from the Cronulla A grade after that competition fell over at the last minute. Yeah, they're again two late additions. Um, I think it's great. Gives it, you know, a nine team competition, which is a bit more. Um, credible, I suppose, than, than a five or six team competition. So, um, and then look again, I'm probably a little bit different to the President's Cup preview. I think these teams will be very competitive in Sydney Shield. I think that's a more of a suitable level. And yeah, I think they'll be very hard to beat um, if some of the players that are reported are actually there. Um, yeah, I think they'll be they'll be good and they'll be very good additions. Well, speaking of the two additions, they will start the Sydney Shield. They play the opening match on Saturday, the 18th of July, uh, not at Shark Park, but at the Cronulla High School Sharks Development Ground Number 1 at 4pm, Saturday the 18th of July. The Cronulla Carring Bar taking on Helensburg. And the rumour mill is doing triple overtime about this Cronulla Carring Bar side. Bronson Garlic's name has been readily bandied about. Hayden Fipuli, Dane Malone have been named alongside uh, Jeremy Seville. And then when you look at the Helensburg Tigers side who have been there and thereabouts, uh, in the Illawarra competition for a lot of years, the side that they have named includes Ash Nisbet, uh, Liam O'Toole with the experience, um, Chris Coleman on an interchange bench, Will Russell, uh, Mitch Bailey, some unknown quantities there. Uh, so this opening match uh, between the two new sides that have come in at the last minute is probably a good matchup. Yeah, again, like it, like it is in the President's Cup with... Uh, the two Wollongong teams playing each other. I think it's a fair start, given that they were only admitted to the competition in the last week. Um, yeah, it's an unknown game. I've heard Michael Leisha 
might actually be playing for Cronulla because Caring Bar. Because Joe Leacher is the coach of this Cronulla Caring Bar side. So quite clearly, Joe's asked uh, the family uh, famous name Michael Leacher to come on board and a, and a, a player of his well-known quality and experience would be an asset to the Sydney Shield, as we'll come to with some of these other sides shortly. Yeah, he'll be outstanding in Sydney Shield. Um, you know, if it's true, he'll be. You know, he'll probably be Player of the Year in that competition. He's a quality player, Michael. So, yeah, and interesting to see how they go for depth. I know Helensburg again um, got some solid players there, and and probably a little bit more depth than Cronulla, but maybe not the stars that Cronulla might be able to wheel out if they do have those guys. Um, Bronson Garlic and players like that. So yeah, it'll be an interesting game that one. Again, it'll probably tell us a lot about how they're going to go this season. The depth is going to be the issue again, as you mentioned. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 is going to be the key. Yeah, I think it will be. I mean, it, that's very much the case in Sydney Shield. You, your best 13 um, is often really strong. Um, but then the bottom end, when you're sort of scrapping around for players and depending on what happens if you're a feeder club as well, could change things. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. But given that those two clubs, um, well, those two teams are their first grades, you think they'd have first pick of the players in their clubs and... Like I said, if, if Michael Leach is there, they're going to be very hard to beat. I mean, he's a very good player, Michael. He's probably still got football of a higher capability still left in him, but such is the way and the nature of the game these days that a lot of players do get flushed out and are left to play in A-grade park football, etc., etc. Now, uh, we then go to the first of the Sunday games on Sunday, July the 19th. And this brings together two traditional powerhouses of Sydney Shield football who have always been there and thereabouts. Wentworthville United, who are the feeder side into the Wentworthville uh, Magpies, take on three-time former Sydney Shield premiers in East Campbelltown. But from what I'm hearing, East Campbelltown are pretty much going to have close to the same side that has done the, been there and done that and has done the job in recent years, which gives them, I'm afraid to say, a bit of a dad's army look about them, a dad's army look that caught up with them in last year's Sydney Shield finals. But any side that has a Brett Lay, an Aaron Tiariki, uh, a Tom Morrison and a Mason Talalua, even though they're all getting a bit long in the tooth, all have to be very, uh, very much respected. Yeah, I think yeah, I think they'll have a good year. I looked at their team that was listed, and it's a very good side. And as you say, they stick together every year, and they they're always there or thereabouts. Um, you know, they did get found out a little bit last year, but um, you know, against the younger legs, at times they can get found out. But you know, who's to say the other teams are going to have those under twenties players back from flag? Who knows how many flag players will be turning up in this comp? And it's probably more unknown than the Ron Massey or the Presidents Cup comp, um, just re- in regarding to who's going to turn out for some of these sides. But yeah, they, they'll be a good side. The East Kenwood Town—they're always there. You can't write them off. I think Ben Baker will score twenty plus tries again, and he'll be right right there or thereabouts at the end of the year as leading tries. Ben scorer. Baker was good enough, and I'll never forget this as an aside, to mark Mike Acevo, of all people, in a Sydney Shield grand yep. final that I had the privilege of calling not at, so many years ago. At Parramatta Stadium. And remember. match him and probably even have the better of Mike Acevo on the day, even though Mike Acevo wasn't as bulked up as he, as he was now or he is, as he is now, and he may not have been 100%. But Ben Baker matched him that day. That's how good he is and how good he could have been. Yeah, he's a top player, Ben Baker. I see they've named him on the wing uh, I think he'll probably end up at fullback at some stage. But yeah, or look, half. He, he, or yeah, or half. He's, he's a try scorer. He's been playing Group 6 the last couple of years, yep. but back in with East Campbelltown. And like you say, Mason Talalua, he's, he's you know, went from West to East Campbelltown a few years ago. And I tried to sign him, I think, every year I was at Blacktown. He's a good player. 
big and strong, and he'll, he'll score a lot of tries as well. They'll they'll be there or thereabouts. You know what you're going to get from from East Canberra Town. They were always competitive, and that Wamunda on a Sunday, uh, it's not a very fun place to go. Absolutely. Uh, however, Wentworthville at Ringrose Park on Sunday afternoon, the 18th, the 19th of July, in round one, are going to be formidable opposition. Even though we don't know too much about who's actually going to be playing for them, they're certainly going to be waiting for any Jersey flag uh, players to come back from the Parramatta system, even though Wentworthville and Parramatta don't have the same relationship now as they've had in the past. That might be changing in the short term, given that Guildford have not taken their place in any competition for the rest of this season. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few Guildford players pop up at, at Wentworthville, especially in the Sydney Shield. Uh, James Bastani controlling things there. He's a very popular bloke out west, so I'm, I'm no doubt he'll be able to recruit well and they'll get some quality back from, from Wentworthville's run, uh, President's Cup team as well. They'll, the Spares who don't make that team always have a big impact for Wentworthville in Sydney Shield. So that'll be a good game. Again, sort of, you know, like we said with the Maitland uh, Wentworthville game, this game will have a, a big indication of how these two sides are going to go this year. Speaking of indications, we look at the defending Sydney Shield Premiers, the side that came in in 2019. Seems a long time ago now, but they came in in 2019, surprised everyone, and won the Sydney Shield in their first season back. The Ride Eastwood Hawks, who uh, will take the field against the Hills District Bulls at TG Milner Field on Sunday, the 19th of July, in their opening round fixture. And even though that uh, they originally lost uh, some key players, Ride Eastwood, they've still got the, the nucleus of the team that won that Shield title, buttering up for their round one fixture on the 19th of July. Kirk Patton, Lange Sulai Ruka, Josh Risk, Tyler Seymour, Angus McElroy were there and thereabouts in that uh, grand final winning squad last year. Uh, and Hills District were one of the disappointments of the Sydney Shield due to their lack of numbers filtering down the line. Might be a different kettle of fish this time, given it's a nine-team comp and there's more depth with more players to go around. Yeah, I think Hills will improve and what they've done in the past, just due to the recruitment they've done in the top team. That'll mean that some of the players named in that President's Cup team should play Sydney Shield. So that'll help them, but I don't think they'll trouble Ride. I think Ride have done um, a good job in COVID. They've got a few of their old players back. I think the Risk brothers are both back there. Um, Tyler Seymour was was really good last year. I tried to sign him for Asquith, but didn't quite get him um, across the line. I did get Tristan Soyu, who hasn't gone back there. They'll miss him. Um, but, look, they're going to have some good players. They're quick, they're fast, they're young, and they're really hungry to, to do the double after winning it last year. And, um, yeah, I think they'll they be very good. And they can play different styles. They can mix it in um, tight if it needs to get down and dirty. Uh, and they can also play the free wheeling and dealing style of football because they did that on a number of occasions during the finals last year. Yeah, they did. They actually, you know, they, they surprised me in that regard. I knew they had the speed and the skill and the young legs and... At Asquith, when we had a good shield team in um, against them, we tried to go through the middle and thought we might be able to sort of soften them up through there, but they more than gave gave their own in that regard. And in a semi-final against Cabramatta, they did the same thing that went to extra time and um, obviously played them in the final. So they're, they're a good side, right? And um, like I said, they've kept most of that team together again and they'll be really hungry to win it, you know, to make it two in a row. So they'll be hard to beat. Now, speaking of a side that I expect improvement from, uh, we go to what will be a broadcast match on Triple HFM, and we can say this on Sunday, the 19th of July. You want to talk about difficult places to play? Well, Lionel Watts Reserve is always a difficult place for visiting teams to come to. You get that atmosphere of claustrophobia when you're a visiting side. The, that 
infamous grandstand pavilion at Lionel Watts uh, with, uh, well, let's just say lubricated supporters uh, who let you know uh, very quickly and are very generous in giving their advice out to you on how to play and on referees, how to referee the game as well will certainly be there. Whether as many of them will be allowed to turn up under the coronavirus restrictions remains to be seen. But Belrose were a powerhouse for a lot of years in the Sydney Shield until they fell away, won a wooden spoon last year. Um, there was a, a lot of toing and froing at club level about whether they would come back. They've come back, they've bitten the bullet, and they've gone big in the recruitment stakes themselves. No less than Jamie Bure, who will line up as captain for their first-round fixture in their return from corona from the from behind the coronavirus curtain against a unpredictable more bank rams outfit in round one that's the match the triple h will be calling on sunday the 19th of july the rest of that belrose side zach nichols has come across there as well josh martin a number of ex-peninsula seagulls connection players the the Jake Pickerings of the world may very well be turning out for Belrose as well, something they would swore in a past life they would never do. But such is the changing nature of community sport these days that you have to go wherever there is a gig going. But any side that has state of origin, premiership experience that Jamie Bureau brings to the table has to be respected. Yeah, for sure. I think we talked about Michael Leisha before. I think Jamie Bureau will have the same effect that Belrose um, look, Belrose's best five players are, are as good as anybody's, even in President's Cup. You know, uh, as you said, Zach Nichols has gone there at number seven. He'll be fantastic for them. Um, Jamie Brewer, Brewer, Josh Martin's a really good player. Jake Pickering will score, you know, if he plays every game. 35 tries? Yeah, if he, if he plays every in game. In nine games? If he's fit, uh, if he's on the field, if they can get him on there and somehow get him out, um, you know, he'll be a try-scoring machine for them, especially on the back of, of Zach Nichols and some of the guys they've brought in. So I give Burroughs a really good shot at, at being up in the finals. Again, though, depending on how their players 13 to 17 looking, that's going to be the key to Burroughs. If they can do a job for them, I think they're, they're in with a really sneaky chance at maybe going from last to the, to the top four. Now, Moorbank, we all know uh, what they've done in recent years in the Sydney Shield. They started slowly, but they really came forward in, in 2018 uh, when they uh, were went within a, uh, 30 seconds of the grand final and then last year in the finals were unlucky to lose to St Mary's in a match in which they scored seven tries to six. And uh, Jay Horton still probably has nightmares about that conversion he missed from in front of the posts late in that semi-final. He's backed up again. He will be uh, Jamie Bure's opposite number for that opening round match that Triple H will be calling at Lionel Watts. And the rest of that uh, Moorbank side that has been named certainly has class right across the park. And the way they freewheel under Brian uh, Rowe in the uh, shadows of what uh, uh, Brad Moran brought to the table as the previous Moorbank coach uh, can't be underestimated. Yeah, they're a funny team, Warbank. You know, there's weeks where they, the scoreboard, you know, they, they can be miles behind and you, and you wonder what's going on there. And the next week they can completely turn it around and win by 40. They're really hard side to, to get a gauge on. Um, they rely heavily on Canterbury under-20s players. I know in a couple of years to go they've had, you know, guys like Jake Averillo and Tommy Talao have even 
played for them um, when they were a bit younger. And if they get a few young guns again with, with guys like um, if Jake Kamiri's back there and, and Jake Horton, you know, they're, they're going to be hard Jake to beat. Jake Kamiri, the absolute man, mountain Sherman tank. He is. He's a huge man, isn't he? And close to the try line, he's nearly unstoppable. So, yeah, look, it's hard to get a gauge on where how they'll go. Um, if they get flogged, I wouldn't read too much into it because they can bounce back really quickly. But I think they'll have their work cut out, um, you know, against your Bell Roses and, and teams like that who have recruited really well. And I think... Yeah, you'll see some improvement from those sides. I don't know whether Morbank can go with them. Now, that leaves us with the last of the nine teams that will eventually start after they have their opening round by and alongside their uh, feeder side up the line in uh, the Gleep Burwood Wolves, Sydney University have the opening round by and they're probably at the moment everyone's favourites to finish last given their uh, indifferent record in the uh, period they've spent in the Sydney Shield. They... Struggled for numbers last year. They don't get the support from the Sydney University Sports Union that they should get or that they thought they would get. And that apparently is going to be no different again in 2020, given the bias towards rugby union amongst the winter codes uh, at Sydney University. But maybe with the flow on of players down uh, from Glebe Burwood and the expectations that a lot of ex-Newtown and Cronulla Jersey Fleet players will end up at Glebe Burwood, perhaps... uh, Mick Habib, the long-suffering, as I may say, coach uh, of Sydney University and the long-time right-hand man for Nike Aaron Zamet. is very much the good cop to Nike Aaron Zamet's bad cop as one of the nice guys in the game. Uh, maybe he will have something to work with if there's that flow-on effect, uh, but he will need to, given what we know and what we've seen of Sydney University so far. Yeah, without a doubt, the key for them is personnel. It's just getting the right players, dropping back from build and... Obviously, it's going to be a bit of management for Aaron Zamet, you know, with the Newtown relationship, Cronulla under-20s, and obviously he has his own players and he's got to find the balancing act there. I mean, if he plays all of the Newtown and Cronulla guys next year, what does he do when they all go back to those clubs and he's got to recruit a whole team again? So he's going to have to keep some of his Burwood players and his, his originals happy and um, that'll mean, I suppose, a few under-20s from Cronulla might have to play with Sydney Uni and that'll definitely help them. But, you know, if they don't get those players dropping down... As you said, they could be closer, closer to the bottom. But if they do and they start well, you just never know. You know, I'd love to see them do well. They came into the competition and, as you said, they probably didn't get the support that they, they thought they were going to get. So it'd be great, great to see them improve on what they've done and, and get some good support from above. What about then we get the crystal ball out um, for a, a top four prediction? I mean, I'm thinking, looking at what I see here, um, you look at the likes of Ride Eastwood, East Campbelltown, Possibly Belrose, and then a, a group of Wentworth, Phil, Cronulla, Caring Bar, if Leacher and Garlic play enough games, Helensburg, all in that cluster for those last couple of places or that fourth spot in the top four. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. As I said, I think Belrose, uh, if their players 13 to 17 and um, you know are up to it, they'll be the big improvers from the bottom last year. I think they'll be there in the top four, and I think Ride will be. Good again. Um, you know, Wentworth Filler always strong. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. I think it's a lot more open in that one than the Ron Massey. And I think the gap between the, you know, the middle of the road teams and the bottom teams won't be as big. And as I said, we just don't know how Helensburg will go. If, there is, as, if the Wollongong comps um, as good as what people say it is, they could be the dark horses. Indeed. Um, but that's going to be the one thing that this short season is probably going to be good for for the Sydney Shield. Because in recent years, it's fair to say that no doubt the top five, six clubs, seven clubs in Sydney Shield have been uh, up to the mark and their top two or three have matched anything you could say that the Ron Massey Cup or 
what will be the President's Cup could uh, offer. But it did fall away rather badly uh, towards the back end. Um, you're not going to get that in a nine-team competition this time around for the short season that there will be. No, and, and with no Jersey flag, you won't get that um, high turnover of players that those clubs have. And even us at Asquith, we, we would you know use often around 50 players in the season in Sydney Shield with guys going up to North and back, and, and all the clubs will be the same. So you'd like to think that the teams will be more settled. They won't use as many players, which should keep them a bit more consistent and hopefully make it a, a better comp to watch, I think. Um, yeah, I th- that's a really unknown, that comp. And it'll be interesting to see. I'm really interested to see how Helensburg and, and Cronulla go and if Michael Leisha and those guys play. You know, Michael Leisha versus Jamie Bure, that'll be a cracker. It certainly would, and it uh, would be well worth watching at any level of the game. I want to touch on something before we go briefly to the women's competition and even what I'm hearing about uh, A, Gray, that you could possibly fill me in on as well before we go, um, the shuffling that Nike Aaron Zammett faces is something that you face regularly uh, in your time in coaching, trying to deal with the different uh, uh, masters that you have to serve at uh, Canterbury Cup up the line and then Sydney Shield backwards down the line and the group of players that you have. It's a unique... Uh, eclectic mix that Nike Aaron Zammett has. He builds a lot of loyalty around a, a hard core of players, but then has to juggle that between players being fed back down to him. Um, it's not that easy. No, nah, it's not. It's really hard. I, I've always said that a lot of coaching, it, it's it's more about management than coaching. Um, a lot of the time at this level, you, the turnover of players that you, you go through each season with all the degrades grades is is huge. It's probably higher than any other comp with your, your, you know, feeding off the flag teams and Sydney Shield teams up to cup teams, sideways to A-grade teams. Trying to manage all that can be difficult. So you've got to be on top of it. You've got to be organised. But also, I think the players just need honesty. If you're honest with the players, like I always try to be, you find that even when they're disappointed, if they understand why you've made a decision, they'll respect it and you can kind of keep the squad happy. You can never keep everybody happy. But it's a difficult job and, you know, it's going to be hard again this year with Aaron, with all those players coming from all over the place. Um, but, you know, he's done it before and I'm sure he'll be fine. And that's before you even get out on the field or get on a bus to Forbes or get on a bus to Maitland or get on a bus to Dubbo or down to Wollongong to play the teams that they're going to have to be playing uh, on the road. They won't be playing all of them because it's only a one-round season of nine weeks, but there are going to be some road trips. And you don't want to be having a road trip with a, uh, a divided group of players who are not happy not getting a go. Oh, 100%. And you throw in the dynamic of some players not getting paid as well. Uh, that's that's going to be a huge one to manage. It's very hard to demand guys come to training and, and you know, if they're not getting paid, how do you drop a guy for not coming to training when you're not paying him? It's, it's different when you're paying him you know, a good wage to, to play on the weekend and train. So there's that dynamic into it as well. And, and Now we're expecting to turn yeah. up for a, a 6 a.m. meeting to get on a bus to Forbes for a five-hour bus trip to get to a ground on time and the player's not there because he's not getting paid and not getting selected. You can't stand around for 45 minutes waiting for him to turn up and rock up out of bed at some ungodly hour in a state not fit for playing. That's another $64,000 question, which we can debate another day. The New South Wales women's competition, briefly, um, is also going to be kicking off on the weekend of July 18 and 19. And you have a family connection with the North Sydney Bears who we're going to be following reasonably closely here at Triple H. It's a, it's a quite good-sized seven-team competition that were, awaits us, that also kicks off. The North Sydney Bears will start on Bon Andrews, North Sydney Able number two, against the West Tigers, who have some good players in their lineup for this opening match, led by their skipper, Batil Vetti-Welsh, who is one of the, still one of the best players in the women's game at club level. 
Yeah, that'll be a good game, that one. I think Tigers did really well last year as well in the finals. And um, if they didn't knock North out, I'm sure they played them in the semifinals. So they'll be right up there. It'll be a good game. I, I watched the round one game, which was the Bears versus Mounties, and was blown away by the standard. I don't mean that um, disrespectfully, but the Mounties team were just super fit. Um, played really well, really fast. They're not in it. So a lot of their players have dispersed to Wentworthville and a few other clubs. So it'll be interesting to see how, how those girls fare. Um, but the Bears were put in their place by Mounties. But that was a really high-quality game. So they'll be looking to bounce back. And they've been training well. So, yeah, I'm excited to watch that one. Um, my girlfriend's uh, sister, obviously, is making her, her starting debut. So I'll, I'll try and be at that one if I can and cheer her along. And, yeah, it should be great playing before the President's Cup Bears game. Um, yeah, it should be a good day. And uh, the other games in the women's competition in round one at Abbott Park, Chester Hill, the Terry Lamb Complex for short. Canterbury Bankstown take on the Central Coast Roosters on Saturday the 18th of July at uh, half past four. And then the one game on the Sunday is part of a triple header at Ringrose Park. Wentworthville will take on the Cronulla Sharks at uh, 11am and... Uh, Having a look at some of the players that have uh, dispersed, as you've mentioned, for uh, <laughs> uh, out of that Mountie side into Wentworthville is uh, rather uh, uh, outstanding. But when you have a look at this Cronulla team with uh, the halves combination of Corbin McGregor and Matty Studden, who are Gillaroos, New South Wales, Origin, Standard, um, Cronulla do have to start pretty close to favourites to win this Harvey Norman Women's Premiership. Yeah, they do. I think they're the favourites for sure, um, just given the strength of their, their roster. And as you say, their halves are really clever and experienced, so they'll be hard to beat. But, you know, don't write off Wentworthfield. As I said, Mounties were outstanding in round one. You know, I honestly watched that game and I didn't see them losing another game all season. They were that good. Um, and as I said, a lot of their players have gone to Wentworthfield, so how they mix in could be interesting. I think the Bears-Tigers um, game would be a good game as well, and I think you know that could probably be your top four. The Roosters might have something to say about it, but um, yeah, I think the Bears will and be And that leaves strong. you with South Sydney, the Rabbitohs who have the bye in round one. Uh, just briefly before we go, A-grade, we've mentioned on other sports programs on uh, Triple H that uh, the Northern Conference A-grade is back this year after one year out. However... My understanding is is that despite having the best of intentions, Asquith are not going to have a team in this A-grade competition at the end of the day. They were planning to, so that will leave a six-team competition with Barara and Ride Eastwood uh, being the two North Sydney teams and then Forestville, Cromer, Belrose and Narrabeen being the four manly sides. At least we're going to have a... Northern Conference competition which will stop the sides from travelling all across Sydney, which at that level of the game, when you're not getting paid, is very much a stiff ask. But from what uh, is uh, what, you, what we're hearing, Asquith not being able to field an A-grade side, it's disappointing but perhaps not surprising, Pat. Yeah, I mean, it was always going to be a tough ask given how late the decision was to, to probably go in it. Um, a lot of the players in the Sydney Shield and Ron Massey just don't live in the area. So they've either gone to other clubs or they're going to play locally, which, again, you can understand given they've got to work and the hour travel to Asquith. So it's a shame. Um, you know, they might be able to get one together next year with more time to plan for it. Um, I think Cromer will be pretty handy in that comp. I know they've signed Justin Burt and Corey Higginbottom and a few guys from Asquith who are in the bottom of our Shield sort of squad. So they'll be uh, more than competitive, Cromer. Indeed. All right. We've just reached full time. The referee has just uh, blown up for no side at the end of this episode of Splinters. It's been, again, 
Time flies when you're having fun. It's been intriguing to dive in to the last hour of how these competitions are going to go. It's great to have football back. The one proviso, though, is that if coronavirus strikes and there's an outbreak across Sydney, I've been told for a fact that community sport will be the first victim, and that's come almost directly from the Premier Gladys Berejiklian herself. Let's hope it's not the case. For as long as there is community sport this season, we will be calling it here on Triple H. And Pat Wisner, I'm looking forward to having you with me off and on during the next 11 weeks. It's been great having you on this episode of Splinters. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me and looking forward to seeing you at some games, Tony, and watching some good stuff over the, the weekend. Indeed, and the weekends to come. That uh, wraps up this episode of Splinters. Don't forget the bench on Friday nights. We'll preview each weekend of community sport as it happens. And then hopefully every Sunday and Saturday we'll be broadcasting live, loud and local community sport. Until we meet again for the sports team, this is the Sultan Tony Dyson saying be good or be good at it for this episode of Splinters. It's goodbye. (laughs) 